started a new series this week. It's going to be an eight-week series that is going to take place, and it's called The Searching Heart. Now, when you look at our, um, look at our bodies, there is some um, voluntary, my body works when I tell it to work. In other words, if I see my, raise my right hand, it does what it, 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 does what it say, or it does what I tell it to do. There's uh, voluntary things that take place within my body. They call them voluntary systems. But there's also some involuntary systems that um, are in us, and an involuntary system would be like the digestive system. I don't get to say, stop digesting, and, uh, and it, it doesn't take 10 minutes off, or take 20 minutes off, 30 minutes off. I don't get it, the power to be able to do that. Um, it's a system that works um, whenever it wants to, how it wants to, and it actually just tells me what for whenever it's, it's time. And uh, that's the way that it, it works. So you have these different systems that are in our body, but our heart... Um, also has some involuntary things that take place, involuntary things um, that happen, things that we just cannot push out, things that we cannot neglect, things that we cannot, things that we have to literally answer. And just to give you an example of that, our, our heart cries, I want to be loved. And we could shove that out, we can push that out, but it's still crying, I want to be loved, I want to be loved, I want to be loved. And all of a sudden my emotions are moved by it, and if I'm neglected in any way, then I feel it, because my heart just desires to be loved. And it's always, always searching for it, and it's doing an evaluation that takes place, and it comes up with conclusions. Am I loved? Am I not? And it is controlling our emotions. Now, some of us are like, I just want that out of my life. I don't want to worry about being loved. We don't get that option. And one thing about these involuntary systems is, is that they're not only located in us and, and not the community. They're not only located in us and even not a different country. They pass all cultures, all realms in life as our heart is screaming for something, wanting something, and trying to get questions answered. It's just what takes place. So for the eight, next eight weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to work through each of these things that our heart is asking for whether we want them or not. That our heart is asking for whether we're believers or not. That our heart is asking for whether we live in this country or that country, speak this language or that language. Every person has these common denominators that the heart wants. The one we're looking at today is, number one, every heart searches for an identity. To not be somebody is unacceptable. Now, you can come up with a foundation, just say, um, I believe in evolution, and in evolution, you know, we, everything happened by accident. And then when we die, we are absolutely no more. But I will tell you that even under that belief in this life, it is unacceptable to be a nobody. It's unacceptable to not have an identity. Even if that's a foundation of your belief, your heart still cries. No matter what, it still cries. you got to be somebody. Who are you? Search it out. Find it. I mean, we know that this has taken place. We hear it on TV all the time. We hear it in our lives. You need to find yourself. Well, if you are an accident and you are nothing when you're done, what are you looking for? And why are you looking for it? It doesn't make any sense. But there's something... We need to find ourselves. The reason why we do is because I will tell you that we are longing for being valuable. We're longing to be worthwhile. We're longing for meaning. We're longing for purpose. And we think if we can find our identity, then the answers in our life will then come to the surface and we'll understand. So let's look before, as we continue to go down, I just want to give the definition of identity. 
and it's found on um, my phone. I say Webster Dictionary. You know, it's a dictionary, we'll put it that way. Not a biblical dictionary, a dictionary. Number two, identity means the condition of being a certain person. So the statement behind it is, this is who I am. We want to be somebody, so we search, our heart searches, it searches, it searches, and then we start coming up with conclusions. This is who I am. Now, we cannot get that search mechanism to stop. We cannot ignore it. So if we don't just say it, our heart still migrates towards it. Now, there's a battle in the heavenlies that's taking us one direction or the other direction. I will tell you one thing that works against us is the world, (laughs) is Satan. You know, God has built us with an identity, but I will tell you that if we're looking for an identity or we're ignoring it, we're migrating to an area if we say, I'm not going to find my identity in God, we will go elsewhere. But even as Christians, we can easily sometimes go elsewhere even if we do find our identity in God. Let's look at this automatic search and see where many people end up. Letter A, I am what I acquire. I need to find my identity. I've got to have value. I've got to have worth. I've got to have meaning. Well, where does it come from? It comes from what I own. Therefore, I'll sell my life for it. I'll sell my family for it. I am what I require because this is my identity. If I can get, then I can be. I am what I accomplish. I am what I look like, and it just literally consumes us. I am what I complete. I am what I conquer. I am what I make. We try to write our own identity, and what do we do? We try to do it by what we can get, what we can acquire. But the horrific thing about that is that as soon as you get to the top, it's like climbing a ladder. Where else do you go? And then when you get to the top, it's like the mission's over, and there's a sour, bitter taste of I thought this was the answer, and I see nothing but the ground far underneath and nothing but the sky above, and there's nothing there, no place to go except down the ladder. Those who have made their fortune climb to the top is like, I've got absolutely everything. Why am I so miserable? Why do I feel like I'm not valuable? Why do I feel like it's a purpose that wasn't a right purpose? We do this with our bodies as well. If I can just lose 30 pounds, 60 pounds, 80 pounds, 20 pounds, 10 pounds, if I can just take it off my body, then I'll have that valuable feeling. I'll have that joy. I'll have that, that, that sensation that takes place that I'm okay. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to make ourselves be somebody that we're possibly even not. We want to feel valuable. We want to feel worthwhile. We want to feel meaning. We want to have purpose. And if we ignore it, we go a direction whether we like it or not. Another direction we go is I am what I feel. This says I, it's not about hard work. It's not about accomplishments. It's important to get in deepest touch with your feelings. Because if you can get in touch with your feelings, you can get in touch with your emotions, then you'll be able to locate exactly who you are. Some of the language that uh, um, these persons speak about is I am done making other people happy, I'm going to be an individual that will do it. Or I am done living the way everyone else wants to, I'm going to be this individual. Do you see the identity picture? I'm going to be done with this, and I'm going to be this, no matter what anybody thinks, or no matter what anybody says. I'm done trying to please people. i got to be me, i got to find out who I am. I need these true feelings, and if I dig deep enough, I will find them. Well, let's just ask the question, 
The deeper you dig in your feelings, what makes you think that they're more richer feelings than the ones at the surface? The deeper you dig, what makes you think they're more richer than the ones at the surface? Um, I have two different feelings. I want to lose 20, uh, 20 pounds, and it's a feeling that's strong, it's powerful, but I also want a bowl of ice cream. I have two different feelings, but which one is deeper? Which one is stronger? Which one is more powerful? We have a sense of, I want to find my identity, so many people just try to dig deep and to see if they can find it, but once they maybe locate it, this is now who I am, I have now found myself, um, is that their identity? Or is it just a deeper feeling that might not carry, that does not carry any weight than probably a feeling that's even on the surface or a feeling on, on the, um, a feeling on the surface? So we're looking for value, we're working for worth, we're looking for purpose, and we're looking for meaning, and we want to identify ourselves, where do we find it? Do we go inside? Other cases we can look at that make this decision is I am what I say I am. I'm not going to dig deeper. I'm not going to try to accomplish. I'm not going to try to do. I'm not going to locate my identity in this direction. I am what I say I am. I am a rock star. (laughs) And I am convinced, and I'm here to convince the entire world. I am exactly what I say I am. Uh, I am a person who carries ambition. I'm a person who's strong. And when you say these these words, what you're, trying, what you're doing is you're saying, this is going to be who I am, this is what I am, and this is the certain person that the world will see and they will identify, uh, identify me as, as this person as they see it. Um, but is that really your identity? Is that really who you are? You can also say, I'm a loner. You can say, I'm unlovable. Um, I'm not wanted. You're identifying yourself, and as you identify yourself, it's like, you know, this is, this is just who I am. But does that carry any truth? Does it carry any weight? So these are ways with our searching heart, it's going to find something and it is trying to locate something because it wants an identity. But let's ask the question, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say when it comes to identity? Number three, God is screaming from Scripture. Stop searching to be a certain person and start searching Scripture to find out the certain person that you are. You are a certain person. You are a certain person, and it is literally described, and it's in Scripture. And if we take Scripture and pull it out and try to find it anywhere else, then we will not be located to understand who we are. One person said, and I don't know, is, um, I don't know the person who made the quote, is that Scripture, we don't read Scripture, uh, we don't study Scripture, we don't memorize Scripture, Scripture reads us. And when we open up the Bible and we read it, what happens is all of a sudden I'm displayed of who I am. Why? Because when I see God, I see me. I want to give you an understanding of that as we continue to walk through, but I want to take one passage in particular, and I want to uh, read it, and then we'll work through it. And this passage is found in Psalms 8. It is the entire psalm that takes place. It's an entire chapter. And in Psalm 8, I just want to say a couple things before we read it. It is a song, and it is organized in a structure. And you'll see that it's color-coded in your notes. The reason why it's color-coded in your notes is because you have blue goes with blue, red goes with red, purple goes with purple, because you can see the structure of this song that is happening. And that is a structure that takes place, and that's what we will work through. Another thing about this song is when you sing, there's a lot of emotion that does take place. 
and I will say that there is a lot of emotion that is in this song. And the heartbeat of emotion is this psalmist is going to sing praises to God. He's going to sing glory to God. And you see that on the first three verses. There's nothing but praise. There's nothing but worship. There's nothing but honor. There's nothing but looking at God and seeing what he's done. And then all of a sudden the psalm splits. He completely changes tone. He completely changes attitude. He completely changes almost the dynamics of the song. You can even see the speed of the song change. And he starts to say, oh my goodness, I've seen something. What's taking place in his psalms and in his song is that the author is seeing, worshiping God, and then halfway through, he sees himself. Let's read it. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise of your enemies to silence the foe of the avengers. When I consider your heavens and the work of your hands, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, and then all of a sudden things change. Oh my, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and you crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands and you have put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and the beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Let's work through this verse. Number four, see God and you'll see yourself. Open up scripture and see the way that he works and you'll see the way that you're supposed to work. When you look at God, according to Psalms, you look at yourself, you will be able to see yourself. Many people go, well, you know, I am not beautiful. Uh, this is what I've identified myself with is I am not beautiful. But let's ask the question, where did you get that? And on what basis did you come to the conclusion that you're not beautiful? Or you can say even the words, I'm fat. If you say the words, I'm fat, where did you come to the conclusion that you're fat? And where did you come to the conclusion and what basis of rock that you're working off of to get to that? I'm unlovable. Why would you come up with that? Because you have to find it from somewhere. I'm poor. Or you can even say, I'm rich. You can say, I'm powerful. You can say, I'm the one for the job. You have to come up with a basis before you can receive anything. Well, where does the basis usually come from when we're looking for an identity? It's always, it's always comparison. I'm beautiful. What? I'm looking around. This is what happens. I'm beautiful. I'm looking around. Well, you know, as I look around, it's like, oh, okay, I can say that I'm beautiful. I'm just kidding. But that's the way that we work. We start comparing. And as we're comparing, we're coming up with a conclusion. Well, I'll tell you where we get that is we get that in Scripture. The way that God has designed us is when we get to see Him, we get to see us. Look at this, Psalms 8, 1. Oh Lord, how Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Majestic is your name in all the earth. It is absolutely beautiful. It is absolutely glorious. And it's not located right here. It's located all the earth, looking at power, looking at glory, looking at majesty. And then his response is found in four. What is man that you think of me? Now, is this a, a depression that says it? Is it an oppression that says it? You know, it can be an oppression. It can be an oppression. But I would also see it as someone saying, oh my goodness, you are this and you think of me? How much does the President of the United States think of Mike Dedera? 
<laughs> I'm like zero in his thoughts. He, has never, he doesn't even know I, I exist. But what if I consumed like two-thirds of a president's thoughts? I consumed a lot of his thoughts. Well, then I would say, well, I need to start living better. I need to start doing this because somebody really high up that makes large decisions, that's in control and in power, well, I am on his mind, so I got to give him more things to think about if that's the case. That's what this psalm is saying. Oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And what? You think of who? You think of me? Number five, watch God and you'll see how important you are. It's absolutely impossible to validate yourself. You cannot validate yourself, and we know this in the world, that somebody else has to validate you. What if somebody from the position of how majestic is your name and all the earth all of a sudden gives you a validation? Would you take it for strength, real, solid? Let's look at the passages. Psalms 8, 1, again, you've set your glory above the heavens. Now then you get to see the parallel passage. And then you made him me, you set the glory above the heavens, but you did what? You made me, him, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You did what? You set your glory above the heavens, but you put me in charge of the different things? The more you see the greatness of God, is the more you'll see the greatness of the individual. The more you'll see the, the value of an individual. Number six, know God's purpose and you have found yours. If you want to take the wind and air out of a person, take away his job, a man, you take away his job, or even a lady, take away her job. If you want to take a, the, the, the heartbeat out of a person, take away their purpose. We all have to have a purpose. In fact, our job wraps us up into our identity. I am specifically what I do. And how do we know that? As if you lost your job, Sometimes it just completely crushes people because our work is our purpose. But look, it's mentioned in the Psalms. Psalms 8, 1. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. Ordained means prearranged praise. There's a purpose of every single individual. God has ordained, prearranged you to praise. And then he gives you something in verse 6. You made him ruler over the works of your what? hands. What that means is everything I do is for the purpose of praising God. Whether I'm working in a job, whether I'm watching kids, whether I'm raising a family, whatever it is, everything, the purpose of my life is to give praise and glory to God with absolutely everything I do, no matter where I'm at. Number seven, understand God's work and you'll understand how valuable you are. We'll just ask the question, did the universe get created by a great creator or was it by accident? Now, if it was created by a great creator, do you know what it means? It means that you're a piece of art. I went hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail last month, and uh, I don't want to sell the Pacific Crest Trail, but I will. It's absolutely amazing. I hiked half of Washington, 300 miles, and I will tell you the Pacific Crest Trail is on the top of all the peaks unless it needs to cross a peak. Then it goes straight down and then straight up and then remains on the top of the peaks. And it is absolutely glorious. There's no way you can look at it and say that it is not a work of art, and that's the way God wants us to look at it. Creation is a work of art with God's mind. But what is God's huge focus, sole focus? Is it the ground? No, not the ground. It's us. So we can say if God created a work of art, 
We are a golden jewel, a piece of art. But what if God didn't create? Well, we're going to replace that a little bit. There's some science that took place, and the science took place. Um, you were actually created by accident. And as you're created by accident and you live a life and, and then you die, um, are you a piece of art under this? I'm just asking the question. Or would you be a piece of garbage? Now, garbage is a really nice word to explain a rotten body. <laughs> I mean, but if that's the destination, if that's the goal, if that's where we're going, then we'll just say it where it is. So we'll ask the question, well, we all want to be a piece of art. Why don't we all embrace a creator and be a piece of art? The reason why we don't all embrace a creator and be a piece of art is because if he created, you need to do what he tells you to do. You are a piece of art inside of his creation. Well, there's people in this world have issues with that. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't think there is a God. And they do everything in the world to prove that there is not a God. And they would rather, many people, I would even say close to the majority, would rather live by being in charge and being a piece of garbage than by being a piece of art and doing what God tells you to do. Let's see what happens when we look at this passage. It's giving us what? It's giving us the explanation of what kind of beauty you have and the responsibility that's been given to you. Can we lose it? Well, the more we see God, the more we study God, the more we worship God, the more we see it. Psalms 8. When I consider, it's interesting that it's, a lot is talking about creation. Let's look at it. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place. And then here's man. You put everything under its feet. All flocks and herds and beasts of the fields, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There is a value that is there. Number eight, what you think of yourself is stupid. What God thinks of you is what you are. Now, I try to find a different word than stupid. I tried to find illogical. I tried to find a whole bunch of different words that would not go there. But uh, let me just um, give you kind of an example of why I use that word. Um, if I walk in the door and I look around and I say, you know, I am the most holiest person in this church. What I think of myself is stupid. What God thinks of my, me is exactly what I am. Nobody can do this job unless I was there. What I think of myself is stupid. What God thinks of you is exactly what you are. But we can go down a different direction. I'm not worthy of anything. And boy, do we hear these thoughts come up. I'm not worthy of anything. What you think of yourself is stupid. What God thinks of yourself is what you are. I'm not beautiful. I'm somebody that has no value in myself whatsoever. What you think of yourself is stupid, and what God thinks of yourself is what you are. Nobody can forgive me. Absolutely nobody can forgive me. Do you know what I've done in the past? It is as ugly as you possibly can be. What you think of yourself is stupid, and what God thinks of yourself is what you are. The reason why I uh, use the word stupid is because this is the way we think when we open up Scripture. I am a person that is not forgivable. God would never forgive me. And Scripture is saying, yes, I will. And if you say it again, you're saying to God, no, you're not. And God said, yes, I will. You're saying, no, you're not. 
God's saying, yes, I will. No, you're not. That's a stupid conversation. But yet we have that conversation consistently with God. I have guilt from my past, and I cannot let go. God's like, yes, you can. You say, no, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. That's our conversations with God consistently, because Scripture is describing yourself who you are, and we argue with Him. We're doing the same thing as people identifying themselves in different genders, in a sense that I'm God, I'm going to choose my gender. Well, I'm God, and I'm going to choose my placement. I'm a guilty person, and I can't receive you, God. Or I'm an ugly person, and that's who I am. And God's saying, stop trying to choose who you are and listen to the Word, observe the Word, and find out who you are. On Friday night, we had communion, and I walked up um, during the communion, and I said, oh my goodness, it's been five days of prayer, and I got a sermon this weekend, I got a discipleship class, I'm way behind, and I completely forgot I'm supposed to do a sermon. <laughs> and uh, I said, so I'm going to um, preach my sermon, then I'm going to preach this Sunday, but it's going to be a five-minute version. So I read the passage, and then I did the five-minute version. The five-minute version was picking up the cup, and I held the cup up, and so when you look at that cup, what do you see yourself as? When you look at that cup, what do you see yourself as? You look at the cup and it's like, <laughs> oh my goodness, there's blood. That represents blood. I am a, a sinner and somebody had to die for me. That cup says that. There's blood in the cup. And all of a sudden as I say it and it says it, it's like, oh my goodness, but it also says something else. Oh wow, how valuable am I? Let's just ask the question, how valuable is one drop of God's blood worth? God's blood, how valuable is it? And it's in the cup directly given to you. How valuable are you? Well, that cross completely says it. You see, when you look at God, you see, oh my goodness, I'm a sinner, but then almost see, I am saved by grace. Continue to look at that cup. God paid for his life. Is there something else I need to do to get to heaven? I'm hanging on to the cup. God did this much for me, and what else do I need to do? I need to do this, 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 I need to do this. God's saying, you just look at the cup. You see that I poured out my life to you and I rose again because you couldn't do nothing? That's what the cup says. But you see, when you look at that cross, that cup, then what is it doing? It's describing who you are. How many people say, you know, I, I don't think God um, is still with me. I think God has actually probably left me and I think I've lost my salvation. Look at that cup. <laughs> Look at it and hang on to it. If you're hanging on to it, say those words. It's the most stupid words you can possibly say. And the reason why is I will die for you, but I tell you that if your sin gets a little bit too big, I'm going to get rid of you. Do you see how Scripture speaks who you are? You see how Scripture says if you look at God, you look at His work, you look what it's done, it's like, oh my goodness, I see who I am, I see my position, I see my value, I see this grace that I shouldn't have this, but I receive this. You see how it just exposes your complete identity? We cannot afford to not study God because in studying God, we find ourselves. Number nine, we are a people who are emotionally messed up because we search to be someone rather than search the scriptures to find out who we are in Christ. We search for substance. If we can just go out and acquire, then we can have, but we know that it's an in-search 
and we mess ourselves up getting to it, and then when we get to it, we're messed up afterwards. What are we doing? We're emotionally messed up. Why? Because we're starving to find this identity, and Christ is saying, your identity is found in me, but as we're searching, we are emotionally discouraged, emotionally messed up. We do not have the value that God wants us to have. We do not have the glory that even God wants us to have. We don't have the things that God wants us to have, the purpose, the mission. Search to construct an identity, and that search to construct an identity we always come up empty-handed, even if we identify ourselves. Identity is found specifically in God. And when we search the Scriptures, we will then find our position, who we are, what we've done, and what can be given to us under the grace of God. We can find us. I just want to close into this last verse. That's Hebrews chapter 2, uh, 5 through 9. And uh, what takes place a lot through the New Testament is, and Jesus does it consistently, is he pulls verses out of the Old Testament and he starts putting them into his sermons. So he's given a sermon, pulls them out, and gives, you know, it's working through the, the, the Old Testament. This author in Hebrews, we do not know the author is, but the author in Hebrews is speaking a line, and as he's speaking a line, he takes Psalms 8, part of Psalms 8, he grabs a hold of it, and then he writes it into his book. And so there's a little bit of information above, there's a little bit of information below, and I should have just put the whole chapter in there because it's absolutely glorious. Just go home and read the chapter. But let's look at what's above. Let's look at the song in the middle, and then let's look at below. It is not the angels, he's speaking to us, that he has subject the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. It's not the angels I'm going to give heaven to. It's actually man. There is a place where people have testified. But there is a place, and what is that place? He then pulls the book of Psalms and he starts to speak. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the angels and you crowned him with glory and honor and you put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at this present time, we do not see everything subject to him. And this is not in your notes, but it's on the screen and it's in your Bible. But we see Jesus. What's interesting at this very end, I've given you a heaven that's beyond, it's going to be subject to you. And then you hear on verse 8, yet at present we do not see everything subject to you, but you have something even more powerful, more glorious, more beautiful. And what is that? It is Jesus. And then let me tell you what the author does. Jesus then puts him in that song. Is that he left heaven, came down to earth, he made lower than the angels, and actually unfolds the beauty of that song as Jesus being the center of the glory of God, the face of God. The Old Testament, they worshiped God. When they worshiped God, wow, they saw themselves. Today, do you know what we can do? We can go specifically to Jesus. And we say, Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And when I look at the cup, I see a lost, broken sinner, which is me, doomed to death. But I also see a blood that was given for me. Therefore, I have life. And do you know what? It will only be life here, but it will be eternal life and beyond. Embrace Jesus as King of Kings, Lord of Lords in your life. And I will tell you that you will completely understand who you are because you'll understand who you are through Him. 
The searching heart is created to be there so you will find Jesus and nothing else. Don't go a different direction. Don't relocate in a different direction. Stay focused. Study Scripture. Find Christ. Know Christ. And you'll find exactly your meaning, your worth, your value, your purpose. And I can guarantee you'll smile at the end. And the reason why you'll smile at the end is because the price has been paid and we have been saved. Father, we just thank you for being the rock of identity. We thank you that you are the foundation and that comparison with each other, God, is not the foundation of who we are. But God, standing in your glorious, God gives us a revelation of who we are, our purpose, our worth, our meaning, our drive. Gives us everything. Empower us, God. Give us a desire to study the Bible more because we must see in it. We've got to see you in it. Help us not to even put it down, God. Every day, be there understanding you. God, our identity is written in you, and we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen.